You're listening to Life Church Podcast with Pastor Bill Carpenter. All right, let's uh, turn our hearts now towards hearing the word of the Lord preached. We are in our series uh, called Freedom, and today Pastor Bill is going to be preaching out of 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. This is God's word. Thank you, Pastor. As I said earlier, this is a series that we are in here, and um, I, uh, I want you to bear with me because what I'm trying to do in this series, uh, kind of on, on the side, so to speak here, is to uh, bring this visually to you through PowerPoint, and I'm not a pointer. Uh, I, it's not my thing to do, but I'm trying to learn how to do this with all of you, okay? So if you will just grace me through this, this series, uh, maybe I'll get the hang of it and be able to, to really do it well uh, as we go forward. Um, but today, I want to talk to you about living out your true identity in Christ. Um, and, and what I want to try to do is help you to establish this very positive identity uh, ID, all right? Uh, I want you to be able to lay your DNA next to God's DNA, uh, and, and we get a match. You know, have you, have you ever watched CSI, um, NCIS, Law and Order? You know, I mean, they're all out there, these crazy addictive dramas, uh, and people just love to watch them over and over and over. Um, but in, in all of those cases, where there's a need to find out who the, uh, the, the victim is or the perpetrator. Uh, oftentimes it comes down to a matter of, of time, and in that little window of time there's a need to absolutely identify this person so that it is beyond a shadow of a doubt as to who they really are. And what that comes down to is you see a little machine and it has a, a, a little uh, screen on it, and you see all of these little numbers or columns or circles or whatever, and they're just going crazy and doing all kinds of stuff, and then all of a sudden they start to stop. And, and as they stop, they start to match or not match. And if they all match, and so that there's a, there's a, a positive, complete ID, it says so, positive match, all right? So... What I would love for you is in your deepest, darkest hour, in your greatest struggle, in your most intense conflict, in your worst situation, in your best moment, in your greatest and finest hour, regardless of where, when, how, or what, it's always going to be a positive match. Everyone's going to see Christ in you, and you are going to be like Jesus. So that will be a positive match, if you will, okay? So I want you and I to be able to... To, to live that out. But you got to know what that DNA is. you got to know wh who you are in Jesus Christ. And so I would like to try to help you and I to do that uh, as we go forward here, okay? So um, I don't know if this is... It, are you doing something? Oh, he's saying, talk, talk, okay? 
All right. <laughs> I, I will talk for you, okay? <laughs> a few years ago, I, I've, been, I've been traveling more in recent years than I did in the first years of my ministry. And one of the things that I realized after a, a period of international travel was that there are some people who go through the line really fast at the border, okay? Or when you come in and you get off your plane, there's, there's, there's always these, like, businessmen. And I'm, I'm like, gosh, what do these guys, what do they have? Like, what, what's the clout? What's the secret? How much money do they spend to be able to just, like, go through, you know? And they don't get questioned, and they don't have to do all the stuff that I have to do, and I have to wait in the, in the long lines. And so I begin to investigate that a little bit to see what it is, okay? And what it is is that, that you can get a card. You can get an identification card, if you will. And that identification card uh, allows you uh, to be able to... to uh, are we able to get that picture? This? I have it on. Look at there, look at there. All right, so we're establishing our identity in Christ. That's what the PowerPoint says, okay? All right, and what that means is that we are following the rescuer out of this bondage and into the promised land, all right? Today, we're going to talk about you being able to identify, I'm done for a few minutes, okay? You're going to be able to identify who you are in Christ, just like the federal government can identify who I am. No matter where I go and when I come back, the federal government is able to do that. Now, that's the ugliest picture of me that you're ever going to see. I can't believe I'm letting you see it today, all right? But a number of years ago, I drove up to Pembema. Is, it that, is that the place? And up above Fargo, right on the Canadian border, I drove... Hours and hours and hours to get up there, all right? I met with this just really brisk man. He interrogated me for a lengthy amount of time. After he interrogated me, he pulled me up on a screen, on a computer, and there had been this extensive background check that had been done because I had filled out the forms to, to, for them to be able to, to kind of figure out my life. And then he asked me more questions, and then he said, okay, uh, step over to the side of the desk here and put your hand down on, on the, the pad, and I put my hand down on the pad, and he took each finger, and, and for each of my fingers, he did a fingerprint. So I didn't just get one fingerprint, you know, I got every single finger printed and pushed into a machine, and a few days later, that card, or one like it, came in the mail. Since then, it expired, and they sent me a new card because I went through the process again, not having to drive all the way up there, but going through the background check and that sort of thing. What does that do for me? It, it makes me become a trusted traveler. In other words, the government has a better sense of who I am, and they have the ability to identify me. So no matter what airport I fly into, whether that's Dallas or Miami or, or Newark or Chicago or wherever, when I go in there, I don't even need my card. All I need is my fingerprints, okay? I put my hand into the machine. It lights up. It reads my fingerprints. It identifies me, and then I'm able to take a small ticket, and I walk right through customs, and no questions are asked 
boom, it's done. It's a delightful thing. They know who I am by my fingerprint, all right? I want the world to know who you and I are by our print that is upon us, and that is Jesus Christ. So this morning, I want to take this passage that Pastor Dave read to you, and I want to talk to you about your identity in Christ, okay? I want to give you about five things, okay? Five different things that you can look at that will help you. And these are all, I believe, battles that you and I have had over time in our minds, a lot of us. We fight these battles of what the enemy says about us or someone else says about us that tells us who we are. And I want it to be as though you've got a card and the background check has been done and the fingerprint has been been finished. And so wherever you go, you know and others know that you are in Christ that your life is like the Lord Jesus Christ, that you're living out an identity that is not your own, but it is in the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So the first thing I want to say to you this morning is that in terms of establishing a positive identification for you, in Christ, you are completely accepted, all right? You're completely accepted, not partially, not a little bit, but totally and completely accepted in Jesus Christ. That passage in, in 2 Peter chapter, nine, uh, chapter uh, 2, verse 9 says, you are a chosen race. Some translations say a chosen people, all right? The Living Bible says you have been chosen by God himself, all right? So you didn't choose him He chose you, all right? So you're completely accepted because Jesus chose you, all right? He chose each of us. And so you live out of who you are in Christ, not out of what the world says you are or how the world says you can be accepted or chosen or or have value or those kinds of things. You live out of God's view of who you are and he has already chosen you. That's That's the fingerprint, if you will, of God upon you is that you have already been chosen, all right? Um, this comes out further in Ephesians chapter uh, 1, verse 4, where it says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, it was that we should be holy and blameless before him. And he, this is really your blessing passage. This passage out of Ephesians chapter 1 is really the blessing passage. Just read the whole thing sometime. Like, like just sit down and just read that little passage because it's all about how Jesus has blessed you and the benefits of that blessing that you have because you are in him. But what I want you to get today, if you don't get anything else, is it says he chose us in him. And he did it before the foundations of the world. What does that mean? It means he wasn't waiting for you to prove that you could be chosen. He didn't wait for you to do the right thing so he could choose you. He didn't look around waiting to to try to find the best person to choose. And so you got left out. No, God chose you from the foundations of the world. He chose you to be his own. He placed that kind of acceptance upon you. Titus chapter 3, verse 7 says, Being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. In other words, Jesus has treated us much better than we deserve, all right? He's made us acceptable to the Father, and he's given us this hope 
inside of us of eternal life. So on a day when you're down, on a day when it doesn't feel very hopeful to you, this is what you have to do. You have to do some self-talk. You have to talk to yourself and say, hey, I need to remind me of who I am. I need to talk to me just a little bit because I need to say these things to me about who I am and remind myself that I am absolutely chosen by God. I am acceptable to him. He loves me and he has done this. Listen, you're living in a rejection world. You're living in a world where you're going to get rejected. Some of you are in devastating places because of the level of rejection that you have experienced either either recently or over a lifetime. And that message is strong and powerful and loud and it shouts out to you that you are not accepted, that you are not loved. But I'm here to tell you today, this Jesus loves you. He's loved you all along. He loved you when you didn't think you were lovable. He loved you before you ever understood what real love was. This Jesus has carried you all along. And he's carrying you now. And so the message you speak to yourself, don't wait for someone else to speak it to you. Speak it to yourself. Declare the reality of who you are. And in Christ Jesus, you are accepted. You are a son or a daughter of the living God. You are a brother or a sister to Jesus Christ. You are a child of the living God who is capable and able to live out this identity that he has presented to you. And so you stay right there. All right? you, don't, you don't waver from that one way or the other because that's your DNA now. That's your identity now. And so when, when someone's questioning your identity, when you're questioning your identity, when you don't feel like you understand who you are even, you don't need to. Just stand there. When you've done everything you can to stand, then stand. Because in that place, Jesus comes in and he stands between you and the condemner. He stands between you and the condemnation. He stands between you and the guilt. He stands between you and the shame. He stands between you and the sin. He is the mediator. He is the gap he pulls it together and he takes your hand and God the Father's hand and he brings you together because of the cross you're fully accepted and you belong to God I want you to get that would you would you just let us pray with you right now I just want to just pray with you I want David's going to come and he's going to pray and he's going to just pray for you to receive this reality this truth that you have been accepted by the Father let's receive it right now in prayer Father, this is hard for us to understand. Uh, so much of our world is bent around performance-based acceptance. We're accepted based on what we do or who we know or, or the things that we have. But you have accepted us in Christ because of what Christ did. And so today we pray this into um, our minds, into our hearts, Lord. We pray that you would activate this in us. This is true, Lord. This is true because you've declared it to be true. But we need to know it at the, at the core of our being that this is true, that we're accepted because of what Jesus has done for us in his death and resurrection. So we pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you would just activate that in us in Jesus' name. Amen. So now what you say is you say, in Christ I'm completely accepted because he chose me and because he made me acceptable. All right, and you've got the scripture references to, to be able to do that, okay? All right, so now receive that and walk in it. The second thing that I want you to see from this is that in Christ, you're extremely valued. 
It's very difficult sometimes for us to, to feel like we've, we are accepted. It's also very difficult for us to see ourselves as having value. The enemy wants to take that sense of value away from you. He constantly wants to, to demean you and, and, and to assault you in some kind of way where you feel as though you have nothing to give and that there is no value in you. But in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it says that you are a, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. And then listen to what he says. He says, a people for his own possession. Some translations say belonging to God, all right? You are the possession of God. You belong to God, all right? That's where you land. That's your DNA. Who is your father? God is your father, all right? So when some idiot comes up to you and starts doing crazy stuff and saying wrong things and demeaning you or abusing you in some way, all right, and then looks at you, and, and excuse the, the, the way I do this, but, but looks at you and is like, well, who's your daddy, all right? Well, you turn around and say, my father is in heaven. I am a child of God. And you speak that even though these other messages are coming at you that say you're not worth anything, you don't have any value, you're no good, you'll never amount to anything. Don't listen to that crap. The day that I decided that I would come to this city after wrestling with God so hard, I decided I would come to this city and, and my wife and I would plant a church here and we would serve God faithfully in this city, believing we were called to Sioux Falls. Finally, having wrestled over the years of acceptance that I was even called by God and taking ownership of that and then stepping out in faith to, to, to preach the word of God, called my father my earthly father, and said, here's what we're about to do. I'm going to quit my career uh, in retail, and I'm going into full-time ministry, and we're going to move to another city, and we're going to start a church. And my dad, post-World War II kind of guy, grew up working hard through the Depression, valued a job so much, and, and thought that a retirement was the most amazing gift from God, <laughs> and looked and, and loved the idea of a pension spoke to me through the phone and said these words, well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. But what I heard was, you're the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. And it etched something in my heart. And so I began to believe a lie. That I'm not capable, okay? I'm not valued. I'm not, ex all these things I'm going to be talking to you about today, all right? But, but the reality is I had to come back behind that and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do I know? What have I wrestled with all of these years? And what is the truth that I really know? I know that I belong to God. I know that I am his. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 6 says, For you are the people holy unto the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you to be a people for his treasured possession. All right? He's made you holy and he treasures you and you are his possession. All right? And so that's where we land. In Isaiah chapter 43 verse 4 it says... Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, I love you. 
I love that. Because you're precious and you're honored. All right, guys, don't leave me right here, but sometimes you just got to look in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm pretty precious. <laughs> I'm pretty honored. Not because I did something. Not, not because I achieved something. Not because I got somewhere. Not because something special happened to me. But because God has validated me through what he has done through his son, Jesus Christ. And in Christ is my perfection. In Christ is my acceptance. In Christ is the place where I live so that I do not have to wrestle with this lie of the enemy who says you're an outcast. You're outside. You can't come in. You're disqualified in some way. You, you, you have no value. And I love this word, honor. God honors us, his creation. He looks at us through the lens of Christ, having redeemed us on the cross. And by the power of the resurrection, we're brought forth into new life. And there we are honored in the eyes of God. There's a lady who writes a, a book called Honor. And in, in, in the book, this author, she tells a story and she tells of this man and, and he bought an old motorcycle that was absolutely impossible to drive. I mean, you couldn't drive it. It was just in such bad uh, condition. You could not do anything with it. And he stuck it in his garage, and it sat there. And the idea was that was going to, on his bucket list kind of thing. He was going to restore this old Harley-Davidson motorcycle uh, and get it running again. And that was going to be, like, you know, his man thing to do. And so he was trying to, 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 you know, create a man cave and get all this done. And in the meantime, she's like, you know what? I'm tired of all of this junk in the garage, and it's all got to go, and we're going to have a rummage sale. And he's like, what? I don't, I don't want to do a Men don't like to do rummage sales. Okay, so but but we do them, you know, there's a reason why we do them, but we do them. Okay, but but, you know, she's like, okay, you got to do something with that motorcycle. You got to either fix it or you got to get it out of here. All right. I'm not going to have that motorcycle any longer. And he says, I'll get to it. Of course, he didn't get to it. And the rummage sale came. And during the rummage sale, there's a man who's standing there. And he says, how much you want for that old piece of junk there? And the guy said, it's not for sale. And she goes, oh, yes, it is. It's very much for sale. What would you like to give us? Just You just tell me what you want to give me and I'll take it. All right. We, we will sell that motorcycle to you. And he says, well, just hang on for a few minutes. And, and he writes this, the, the serial number down off the motorcycle and he makes a phone call and does all this stuff and he comes back and said I, I, yeah I'd, 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 I'd like to buy that motorcycle from you and the guy says no I'm not going to sell you that motorcycle and so he and his wife are in this big angst about the whole thing and the guy gets back on the cell phone and he talks to someone again he comes back and he says name your price and the guy goes you're serious yeah name your price and he goes I don't even know what I would ask for it you know and, and, and the guy's thinking, probably like, you know, I mean, like you or I, he'd probably be going, gee, I'd love to get 100 bucks for this thing. And his wife's going, I'll sell it for five. You know, it's that kind of thing going on. The guy offered him tens of thousands of dollars. And he goes, wait a minute. That's, that's, there, it's not even drivable. What's going on? And he goes, well, it really isn't the motorcycle. It's who owned it. And it was owned by Evelis, Evelis, Evelis Presley at one time. And so because it was owned by Elvis Presley, it had a great value attached to it. When I worked in retail, I worked in jewelry for a season, and we bought diamonds in the, in, in the department store that I worked in. And um, 
a value had to be placed on each diamond, obviously, and we didn't decide that. It was decided before it came to us, but it was decided by the buyers who bought the diamonds for the department store. And so when one of the reps was there, I just asked him one day, I said, tell me something. How do you decide how much one of these diamonds is going to cost? Who sets the price, and how do you go about setting the price for a diamond? He said, that's really easy. You set the price for a diamond for what you think someone will pay for it. He goes, listen, Bill. Anything and everything, it's only as valuable as someone is willing to pay the price. That's what makes the value. You are so valuable. The ultimate price has been paid for you, and it's done. It is finished. There, no greater value can be placed than what has been placed on you by the death of Jesus Christ. You are the possession of God. That's why he says, look at the birds. God feeds them, and you're far more valuable, Jesus says to the disciples. You're far more valuable to him than any bird. So live out of the place of value, all right? Whatever the enemy's telling you, whatever he's discounting in your life, you throw it back at him with the word of God, with truth, and you let him know that you are highly valuable and accepted before God. You belong to him. You are the possession of the living God. Through what Jesus Christ has done on the cross, you have extreme value that no one can take away from you, all right? That's what you have. Can we pray for you? Let us just pray. Pray with us, all right? We're just going to pray for you to receive the acceptance not only, but also the value that God has placed upon you. Let's pray. Our Father, I pray for each and every person in this room today that does not believe this. Um, I pray that you would go to them now, Holy Spirit, and that you would show them that you're the one that determines worth and value. And that you've set the price for them, uh, Father, at the price of your own son. That you've given Jesus for them, and so they don't get to determine their worth and value, and nobody else does either. But that you have determined it, and that you have declared them to be of so much value, of so much worth. And that this truth would change every facet of their being. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 23 says, You're bought with a price. But then it says, Do not become bondservants. In other words, don't go back. Don't return. All right? Stay on this side of the truth. Stay on this side of what Jesus says about you. All right? The third thing I'd like to pull out of this is that in Christ, you are eternally forever loved, all right? We battle acceptance, all right? We have to deal with it over and over, and we fight that battle constantly. We, we battle being valued, all right? But we also, don't we just, we, we fight inside of ourselves with whether or not we're lovable or we can be loved. And, and what I want you to understand is that Jesus has so expressed that love through his death on the cross. And he I mean, it is love, for God so loved that he gave, all right? It wasn't that he wanted something so bad he was willing to trade. It was because he loved so deeply, he gave. And he gave freely. 
All right? It's, it's a free gift. You don't have to accept it. You can actually reject it. Did you know you have the, the, the privilege, if, if, for lack of better words, to go to hell? But that is not because God is sending you there or because God wants you to go there or because God hasn't made a way to prevent you from going there. All right? But you have a free will. But in that free will, God has expressed his love to you through his son, Jesus Christ. He says in Jeremiah 31, 3, he says, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love, with an unfailing love. I have drawn you to myself. Everlasting, unfailing. That means it doesn't end, all right? It, it, listen, he, Jesus, loves you so much and he loves you just as much as the Father loves you. He is the expression of the Father's love. He, he can't love you any more than he already loves you right now. He will never love you any less than he loves you right now. You can't do anything to get any more of God's love. It is there. It is in place for you to just receive it. You just got to, by faith, grab a hold of that. And I don't know what's happened in your life over time. Some of you have gone through horrific things. Some of you have shared them. Some of you have not. But the reality is we live in such a broken and messed up world. And there's a lot of messages that have been given to us. And I think one of the deepest messages that the enemy tries to entrench and etch on our heart is that we are not lovable or that we, we can't accept love, or we can't be loved, or whatever. I don't know how he wants to say it to you, but he's going to find the best way to say it where it lands in your very soul and has a powerful effect on you, because he just wants to paralyze you. He wants to bring you down, okay? But Psalm 100, verse 5 says that God's love is eternal and his faithfulness lasts forever, all right? You can't do something to stop God from loving you. You can't do something to diminish God's love, regardless of what you have done. See, he loved you from the foundations of the world. That means he looked down and saw you long before he ever put Jesus on the cross. He saw every sin you've ever committed. He saw everything you've ever done. He saw everything that's been done to you, and he still loved you, and he still put Jesus on the cross to die for your sins. That's how much he loves you. That's how much Jesus loves you, that he's willing to go to the cross and pay for a sin that he never committed so that you don't have to pay for it yourself. So we live out of that abundance of love and acceptance. God doesn't size you up and, and decide, well, I don't know if he's worth loving or not. I don't know if she's worth loving or not. God doesn't look at you and, and, and make evaluations or, or try to put prices on you. You're, you're not something that's getting sold in a garage sale somewhere and someone's standing there and in some random way just size, decides what the value is. Well, let's see. What will somebody pay for this? You know, what, what's this worth? I don't think this is worth very much. I, matter of fact, I'm just going to toss this because nobody will buy it. That's what the devil tries to get you to believe about yourself, that you can just be tossed away. I'm telling you, you cannot. That is not what God wants to do, all right? God wants to love you deeply. When we were, my, my wife and I were in Jamaica, and uh, we decided that we would go outside of the compound we were in, and um, we went to a street market, and at that street market, we just met really 
horrifically poor people. And uh, some, somehow in the conversations that were going on, they found out that I was, was a pastor. And there was this lady, and she was telling me all about her church. And she was so proud of her church, but she was just selling trinkets. And this other lady just kind of bolted in, and she goes, Ah, oh, pastor, come on, buy my fish. She had these little hand-carved fish. Come on, pastor, buy my fish. And I'm like, uh, how much is the fish? And she goes, $40 American money. Come on, pastor, buy my fish, buy my fish, $40. I said, I'm not paying $40 for a fish. Oh, pastor, you're killing me now, pastor. You're killing me. <laughs> it's worth so much. It's worth 100 pastor. It's worth 100 American dollars. I'm asking $40, pastor. This is going on and on and on. I'm going, I give you $10 for two. And she looks at me and she goes, you're killing me. You're killing me, Pastor. You're killing me. She's leaning over the, the little booth she's in. And, and we started to walk away. And she said, okay, give me the money. <laughs> we came home with our two little fish. <laughs> but this guy at, at the, the, the resort we were staying in, he said, he said hey, if you, go, if you go into that market, don't pay whatever they're asking for, all right? Don't, don't pay street value. Don't pay market value, all right? Because nothing they're selling is worth what they're asking for, all right? So don't pay it. You always try to get it down. Go way down, all right? Pay a lot less. Well, let me tell you something. God does the exact opposite. God says, you know what? I'm going to turn this thing upside down and I'm going to pay everything I got for you because you're that valuable. You're that loved. I love you and I want you so much that I'm going to pay everything I have. I'm going to give my son to die for your sins. That's how much I love you. And that's the powerful love that you and I need to hold on to and accept, all right? So let us pray for you right now that you can receive, that you can accept the love of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, we thank you that when you were on earth, you said, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. And for us, that's a, that's a challenge, Lord. We confess that's a challenge to remain in your love because we often think we, we, we screwed up, we messed up too bad, uh, we've, we've run from you, but help us to remember today uh, that your love is a different kind of love. It's a never stopping, never giving up, always and forever love. It's the love that never quits, that never breaks. And so, Lord, help us not to compare your love to our love that does quit, that does have limits, that is frail and weak, and, and that does give up often. Help us by the power of your spirit to understand this love. And I pray against any lies of the enemy right now that, that he's speaking to anyone in here that somehow they've walked away from the power of your love, that somehow they've sinned so greatly that they could not be uh, under this love that you've given through Jesus. We ask this in his name. Amen. Amen. All right. The fourth battle we, we fight is that of being forgiven. How many times have you felt condemned? You know, you, in, in your head, somehow you know you're saved. You know God loves you. You've read all the right scriptures. You've done all the right things. You're going to church. But at the same time, there's still in this, there's this sense of, am I really saved? Am I, am I really forgiven? In Christ, you are forgiven, all right? 
It's all taken care of. At, it, First Peter 2 says, At one time you did not know God's mercy, but now you have received the mercy of God. All right? You've received his mercy into your life. And Romans 8, 1 says, Now, therefore, there's no condemnation. You don't have that guilt and that condemnation over you because you are in Jesus Christ. Isaiah 43, 25 is one of my favorite verses. I am the God who forgives your sins, and I do this because of who I am. I love this declaration. God doesn't do this because of who you are. He doesn't do this because of what you've done or not done. He does it because of this is who he is. He is this loving father. He is this one who ransoms. He is the one who rescues us out of sin and darkness and filth and all these other things. It's because of who he is. And he says, I will not hold your sins against you. Get that in your head. Get that in your heart. He will not hold your sin against you. You're redeemed. You're, you're set apart. You're pulled out of the world and you're not treated the same as the world is treated. You're related to differently from God's perspective. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, by the blood of Christ we're set free. That is, our sins are forgiven. That's your freedom. Your sin is forgiven. You're released from the hold. You're released from the bondage. You're released from the debt. You're released from the payment, if you will, all right? Because God's grace is there. So you're totally forgiven, and it's because God doesn't hold your sin against you, and it's also because God's grace is greater than your past, all right? How, it says, how great is the grace of God? How great is his love for us? And so you're totally, completely forgiven. You don't need to go back into that past. You don't need to visit that place anymore, all right? You say, well, what if God takes me there? Well, then I think you're contrary to Scripture pretty much because he says he puts it in a lake of forgetfulness. He takes it and throws it as far as east is from west. Now, if you go hunting, you're going to have to do some hunting if you go with God. Now, the devil will bring all of that and he'll put it on a platter right in front of you and hold it right up in front of your face and try to accuse you. All right? Well, who do you want to hang with, the devil or the Lord? There is no condemnation for those in Christ. I, I wish that, well, I wish, first of all, that government officials could not tweet. I wish they could not have, I wish they could not have Twitter accounts, Okay? But I wish God could have one. All right? And, and here's, here's, my, here's how I would see that. Here's how that would play out, all right? If, if God could tweet to you, it would be like, OMG, that totally caught me off guard. Surprised by humans? I don't think so. That's not the way God works. Oh, laugh out loud. I can't believe I screwed that up. Brain on holiday. That's how we deal with the devil, as if God is, like, checked out. Like, if, if God's distant, like if God's over there somewhere, like if God's, like, simple or God is stupid or something. Listen, I'm giving you what, what God has given you. No, if, listen, if Jesus spoke in tweets right now, it would be more like this. Oh, myself, I've got you. 
I've got you forgiven forever, all right? Jesus would be saying, I got it. Don't worry about it. Hashtag sin erased. This is, this is the message of God. However you need to get it in your style, in your culture, in, in your uh, age group or whatever, it doesn't matter. The, the message is the same. It doesn't change. It gets packaged different from season to season and time to time and culture to culture. But the reality is that you are totally forgiven by God. And none of this is going to be brought up to you again. So why bring it up to yourself? Why put you through that process of remembering again and again the ugly of this world when God has given you the best? Hear God. However God speaks to you, however God needs to communicate to you, hear him, all right? Hear him today as he is speaking this life to you. Not only are you eternally forever loved, but you are totally forgiven and live out of that forgiveness today. Come and pray for us, Pastor. Father, we thank you that you are a forgiving God, that you've extended this forgiveness to us in Jesus Christ. Now we just pray against the lies that come against that constantly, that the enemy comes and he accuses us and he reminds us and he says, remember that thing, I can't believe how you did that at that time, and who do you think you are calling yourself a Christian? And Lord, I just pray against all those voices, that you would silence them with the voice of your spirit inside, continually reminding us that we are forgiven, that we are in Christ, that we are righteous in him and in him alone, that our confidence, that our identity would be in Jesus and in his perfect work for us on the cross. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. One more. In Christ, you are fully capable completely usable. This is the other lie the enemy will give you again and again. You can't be used. For some reason, you've been disqualified. Something you did disqualified you. Something you did took you out, all right? You've been, you've been spiritually T-boned by your own decisions or whatever. You know, we've all got some place of shame. We've all got some place of guilt in our lives that the enemy could use if we allowed him to. But in Christ, you're not to be affected by that place. In Christ, you're not to go back into that past, all right? Yeah, it's there, and yeah, it was ugly. But you've got to forgive, and you've got to release, and you've got to let go, and you've got to move forward because you're capable and you're very much usable. This passage in 2 Peter says, that they may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. If you are a child of God, you've been given the call to be a minister of reconciliation. You've been given the call to declare the righteousness of God. You've been given to call, the call to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to be a pastor, a priest, uh, an officiate in the church in some capacity because you are a child of God. You've been given the voice of God, the mind of Christ, the heart of the Father. You've been given all of this so that you can proclaim because he says, I've done this. I have have created this situation for this time in your life where you will live out the gospel. And so you will proclaim these marvelous excellencies, these praises of this God, this Jesus, who has called you out of darkness and brought you into his marvelous light. The capacity that we have 
comes from God, not from ourselves. So don't, don't sit there and say that you can't do this. Because this, that's what 2 Corinthians 3, verse, verse 5 and 6, it says that, that this, this capacity that we have, it comes from the Father. It's He who made us capable. He qualified us for serving in the new covenant. All right? He, he has made way for you to be used. So you don't sit back. You don't, you don't deny the ability to be used. You don't, you don't declare and agree with someone who's saying you're disqualified in some way. If you're under the blood of Jesus Christ, you're qualified to declare the goodness of God to those around you. You are, you are able and capable of being used by God. And here's why. Because your strength is not your own. It is Christ in you. Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All right? Another translation says it this way. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You don't need to go looking for it somewhere else. You don't need to try to get it in some other way. The strength is there. It is freely given to you so that you can serve God and be faithful to God in all that you do. There's not a single person in this room that is not usable by God. There's not one person in this room who can declare that, that you're disqualified because of your past or some particular situation or trauma or whatever. You are fully capable. You are completely usable. And this is how you and I need to live because this is what God has called us to do according to Acts chapter 26. We are called to share this love of Jesus and equip the saints to go forward. And every one of us has a part and a place in that. Your identity in Christ declares you are usable and capable for his glory. All right? Will you pray for us, Pastor? Father, we thank you that you've not only saved us and forgiven us, but that you have also called us now onto the mission of God with you that you are reconciling the world to yourself and that you've given us this ministry of reconciliation, Lord. And not only that, you've called us, Lord, but that you've empowered us now with your Holy Spirit. You've given us the life of Christ himself in us to work that out and to, uh, to make an incredible impact for your kingdom. Lord, we thank you that, that you've promised us this and we pray against any lie of the enemy and anyone here today that has believed um, they're just to sit back and, and let the real Christians do the work. Lord, I pray that everyone would see themselves here today, every member a disciple maker, that each person here would understand that as a follower of Jesus, they have a call, they have a mission, they have a purpose, and that that's been given to them by you. We thank you for this mission. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, let's rehearse it. So, in Christ, you're completely accepted. You're a chosen race. In Christ, you're extremely valued, all right? You're a, you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're a people that are his own possession, all right? In Christ, you are eternally forever loved. You, once you were not his people, but now you are the people of God. In Christ, you're totally forgiven. Once you didn't know the mercies of God, but now you know his mercies. And lastly, in Christ, you're fully capable, completely usable. 
All right? You're called so that you may proclaim these praises, these excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. That's who you are in Jesus Christ. Don't let anyone else ever tell you different. Don't ever live outside of that DNA. Stay inside of who you really are because this is what God has done for you by sending his son to die on the cross for you, to give this position to you, to give this identity to you. This is where you can live. When the devil brings these battles against you, all right, take a hold of the scriptures. You call me or Pastor Dave or another brother or sister in the church and say, hey, I'm battling in my mind. My identity is at stake here. And will you please pray with me? And let's begin to pray out of these places where the enemy really comes in and really grabs a hold of us and, and shakes us, okay? I want you to do one last thing with me before we're done here today, all right? I want you to stand with me, and on Confession Sunday, we made a declaration together. We said it out loud together with one another. I'd like for you to stand with me right now, and I'd like for us to, to do that together, all right? I would like for us to, to just speak out this declaration together, all right? So do it confidently, do it boldly, do it assuredly that you are a child of God, all right? Let's say it together. I have been crucified with Christ. It is not I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He made Christ who knew no sin to be sin for me, that I might become the righteousness of God in him. I am in Christ Jesus, and therefore I am a new creation. All things have passed away, and all things have become new. I am qualified in Christ to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints. God, my Father, has delivered me from the power of darkness and transferred me into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Amen. Amen. Our prayer team will be coming up. If you need prayer in any of these areas or if you want to start this identity today in the Lord Jesus Christ as it's been explained to you, then please feel free to come and receive prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed and you may head for the lobby. All right? We will have a meal in just a few minutes and then our class today. God bless you.